Buddy Heald and the Bahamas still alive, and Tyrese Halbert and Daniel Tice are done playing exhibitions. Get ready for the FIBA World Cup. We'll talk international play, Pacers free agency updates, and general team news all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody, welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today it's our weekly FIBA slash news slash this time free agency updates for the Pacers. Checking in on the three Pacers playing an international play, what they've been doing, what they've got coming up, and the latest news around the team. Pacers made, or at least have reportedly going to make. A signing. And some ex-Pacers have signed contracts elsewhere. We'll cover all that. And also, some other news about the team and the arena. Cambridge Fieldhouse having some stuff open around the arena this week that I think will be interesting and important to fans. So we have a lot to cover today, as we do on all these. And we will continue to do these FIBA and news update shows every week until the World Cup is over. It starts on Friday. Halburn and USA play their first game Saturday. Lots of international action to cover. But in the non-World Cup division, we'll actually start with the coolest thing that happened in Pacer land this past week to me. That's Buddy Heald and the Bahamas winning their Olympic pre-qualifier tournament. So how this works is there was an America's division of teams that didn't make the World Cup but still have a chance to qualify for the Olympics. And they have to qualify for the qualifier tournament next summer. And that's what this tournament was for. And the Bahamas, to be clear, Buddy Heald's team. Now, granted, they're a little better than this now because they have DeAndre Ayton and Eric Gordon as well with Heald, but they were ranked 56th in the world entering this tournament. Uh, and in this tournament of eight teams, uh, they were sorted into four tiers, and each tier had two teams. And that's how they determined the groups. So, right, each group got one tier, one team, one tier, two team, one tier, three team, and one tier, four team. Bahamas was a tier three team. So at best, FIBA said in this tournament before starting it that the Bahamas was the fifth best team in this tournament. Uh, and they won. <laughs> On Saturday, uh, Buddy Heald in the Bahamas beat Uruguay. They reached the finals. They play Argentina in Argentina, I might add. Uh, the game, the final game, actually all the games to be clear, but the final game was in Santiago del Estero, and the Bahamas won the tournament. <laughs> Huge, probably, I, I'd have to talk to somebody who knows Bahamas basketball better than me. Given what I know of the program, they've never been in the Olympics, maybe the best tournament they've ever had as a program, and Buddy healed a huge part of that. He was, pro to be clear, I was very busy this weekend. I was out of town on a trip, so I didn't catch all of the action, but I caught enough of it. Uh, it was very fascinating to watch him in this tournament setting. If you've listened to me talk about Buddy Heald at the Bahamas before, you know, he's like playing point guard a little bit, which is so strange. It's not what he does for the Pacers at all. That kind of transitioned between him and Eric Gordon throughout the tournament. Eric Gordon ended up being amazing in the finals, 27 points for the Indy native, um, to, to lead them to victory, and that made him become the tournament's leading scorer, passing Buddy Heald in the final game. But it was really fascinating, right, uh, watching Heald play in these settings. Like, their coach um, is a Golden State Warriors assistant coach. His name's Chris DeMarco, and he has them play kind of like the Warriors, right? They, they play with quick pace. They get into their action right away. Like, the second they cross half court, there's a pass, there's a handoff, they're getting into it. And Heald's pretty good at that, right? He's good at the random action stuff. He's constantly moving. Like, he fits in really well in this setting. And so even when he had the ball more, like, he wasn't a playmaker 
to be clear. Like in the end, he I think he finished. Let's see the exact number: three point three assists per game. That's not a lot, but the way he was asked to do it or like set up plays or like toss the ball to someone else is not something he typically does. So I thought that was interesting. The game I watched the most was their first Argentina game in group play. They were down like 15 in the second quarter, huge comeback when they smoked him for the last three quarters. That's kind of where it became clear that Heald in the Bahamas could actually do this. This is really fascinating. I wrote this in my notes and I wrote this in a piece about Heald's old run. It was a very anti-Buddy Heald game, right? Um, like, Argentina's good. They have Nick Brasino, Facundo Campazzo, Carlos Delfino, Luca Veldoza, Gabriel Deck, like a ton of ex and current NBA players. But this game for Buddy Heald was fascinating because it was the opposite of a Buddy Heald game. He was getting destroyed on offense, right? He started, I think, one for four. He couldn't, he was kind of finding a spot, but he couldn't really get wiggle free. Campazzo was giving him hell. This was the game that he struggled the most at point guard because Campazzo was just all up in his grill and stealing the ball. And that's what he does. Campazzo does that to everybody, but Heald's not typically a lead ball handler. So that's, st- he struggled for that. But he did a great job on defense. He guarded Nick Brasino pretty well. And it was very impressive to see him have an impact on that end. Like right when Buddy Heald came out of the game, Brasino got it going in that first quarter. It was really interesting. And I, this is not a, a discussion about his NBA defense at all. Clearly, he needs to be better at that. But in the in that game, he was good on that end of the floor. And he finally got it going right before the end of the half. Bahamas regained the lead. They never gave it back. And ended up winning the tournament. It was really, really cool to see them pull that off. Final stats for Heald. 19.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists per game. Only 43.5% from the field and 29.3% from deep. Eric Gordon was really the carrier of the offensive ball handling. Aiton was really good at times for this Bahamas team, but healed, uh, did do, had like, to would toggle good game, bad game, good game, bad game with his efficiency. Um, and they get it done. Really, really cool to see them pull this off. There's a great video. Uh, let me, let me find the exact Twitter account while I'm talking of the Bahamas team celebrating in the locker room after winning this tournament. And they're just going nuts at Bahamas press. If you want to see it healed is of course in it and they're going crazy. It's a huge win for them. So next July Bahamas will play in the Olympic qualifier tournament with a chance to actually make the Olympics. For the first time, Kai Jones is Bahamian, the center for the Charlotte Hornets. So he didn't even play in these games. Perhaps they could have more NBA reinforcements. Who knows? Um, but very cool for Buddy Heald. Very cool for the Bahamian people and that team to pull that off. And Heald played pretty well. Although, to be clear, I have not watched in full either of their knockout stage games against Uruguay or Argentina. Let's go to Daniel Tice next. And then we'll close out with Halberton to start the next segment. Tice in Germany finished up there. Uh, Olympic pre-qual games over the weekend. First up, they played Greece, and Tice just continues to be like a short-roll beast. Like an international play when he's the starter and he's allowed to make decisions and two jumpers. Like he had an alley-oop against USA, but like he sets a lot of screens and has is allowed to do stuff with the ball and take jumpers, and he looks pretty good in the set. At Greece, no Giannis. They're not particularly threatening, as, as at least as threatening as they were thought they could be before the tournament started. But uh, on Saturday against... Greece, Tice had 15 points. They won 84-71. And he had 15 points in like 22 or 23 minutes. I forget exactly how much because he got ejected uh, in the third quarter, about halfway through it. He had he fouled out on like consecutive possessions. Uh, him and Papianis, if you remember him when he was on the Sacramento Kings, uh, we're getting into it. It was super weird. It, the FIBA play is so fun. If you get a way to find a way to watch it, some of these games will be on ESPN too. A lot of them are going to be harder to watch once the World Cup starts. Get it, Do it because it's so fun. Tice is great in these settings though. And he looked good in that game. Their second game, Germany had not lost an exhibition yet, to my knowledge. They even beat Canada, which was super impressive. Canada's going to be good in this upcoming World Cup game. They then played uh, Halliburton and USA to close out the USA Basketball Showcase. Germany was 
doing great. They're up like 15 or 16. And when we get to Halliburton, we'll explain how they blew that lead because Halliburton was enormous <laughs> in the comeback. But Tice started off great. He finished very poorly shooting. 5 for 16 from the field. He finished with 12 points, 13 rebounds, one of the many double-doubles Germany had. But, like, people were tweeting. I saw this. I think it was John Hollinger at halftime, like, like, Tice was playing better than Halliburton at the first half, uh, which was pretty interesting. He looks, again, pretty good in these settings. Germany is very threatening and physical, and that's kind of how Tice plays. He's this bruiser type. And he's looking athletic. Like, he had an alley-oop dunk against the USA. Like I said, he had a crazy alley-oop dunk in there. Ah, oh, I got to find the opponent now. I tweeted a video of this if you want to see it, but he had a crazy alley-oop dunk in one of Germany's first games that just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. Um it's like very, uh, not untice like just not what you expect. Against Sweden, uh, on a beautiful lob from Franz Wagner, nonetheless. So, like, he looks spry. He looks healthy, which I think is key for the Pacers, right, who didn't have him in that health last year and looks good. But that's the end of the exhibitions for him. Those two games against Greece and the USA and Abu Dhabi are done. Uh, Germany, I believe, will have their, I could just look this up while I'm talking, uh, will have their games in uh, Okinawa, Japan, for the World Cup, but I'll double check while I'm speaking. Uh, they play first on Friday, and they are, to me, one of the favorites to probably get top eight, top four in this tournament. They're good. They got third in Eurobasket last year. Yes, Germany uh, will be playing in Japan, so they're not in the United States side of the bracket. I think the earliest they could play each other is the semifinals, so that Tice versus Halberton game we saw on Sunday. Could not happen again. But Tice's Germany was playing well uh, and ahead, and then Halliburton stole their hearts. And speaking of Tyrese Halliburton, how did he and Team USA wrap up the USA Basketball Showcase? We'll get to that here in Segment 2, because World Cup play coming up for Halliburton and the USA as well. But before we talk about all that, got to quickly talk to you guys about the great people over at Bird Dogs, who have made my maybe my favorite shorts I own. I now have three pairs of the shorts. Uh, and a pair of their pants. And I wear them quite frequently, including this weekend uh, when in Tennessee, walked around a lot, played pickleball two days in a row, wore bird dogs for both of the days, didn't sweat very much, felt great, looked great. What are bird dogs? They make you look good. They have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit a little slimmer and give you like a sculpted look. And they do the same thing as Lululemon, but they fit better. And they fit better because they are made... They're not made, excuse me, of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they're made of a cloud-knit fabric. It looks like khaki, but it stretches, so you get a slimmer fit. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I can attest to that. you got to try them. Go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA, or when you go there, enter the promo code LockdownNBA for a free white tech hat when you check out. That's birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA, or promo code LockdownNBA for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We can promise you that here at Lockdown Pacers. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Just go to Lockdown Sixers. More going on in this Hard and Maury stuff. Um, it's nuts. It doesn't make sense. It's so interesting that James Harden, the reason he called Maury a liar reportedly was that he said he'd be traded quickly. He has not been. I don't know if that's the case. Or, breaking the rules a little bit, make your second listen Lockdown Colts. Because Jonathan Taylor also in the trade scuttle. My goodness, I can't keep up with that. And that has been so interesting that I've gotten into the NFL salary cap a little bit. And it is fascinating to see how both sides are playing this. Because I think Jonathan Taylor has done everything he could do to get what he wants. And I think the Colts have done exactly what they should do to get what they want. And so it's just a fascinating thing to see how it will unfold in the end. Or who will give in a little bit more of a way that, that concedes some space to the other party. Locked on Colts. 
is where you can find more on that from Jake Arthur and Zach Hicks. Here on the Pacers side in the NBA, their star player, Tyrese Halberton, looking great for Team USA. It, it's kind of crazy uh, how well he looks to me with the second unit. Like, it's so funny to see how this team plays. Like, they have the starting five with Ingram and Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brunson and all these really talented players. Jaron Jackson, Mikael Bridges. And that group is slower and more physical. And that that's fine. That's a good style for FIBA. Brunson at his best was huge. They don't beat Spain without him. Uh, the way he played against that lineup. And then the second unit, Halliburton, Camp Johnson, right? They're flying around. They play smaller. Uh, you know, Josh Hart's in that group. And Halliburton just shines in this faster setting, and the team looks awesome. And I think with Steve Kerr's style, he fits in really well. And he ended up, I, I don't know if he led the team in minutes, but he played over 100 minutes in these five showcase games. Uh, for you people tracking who care about this, Brunson did not play 100 games, or 100 minutes, I believe. It, it's like four minutes apart. Um, I don't actually care about that, but people have, seem to have a lot of commentary about this. Halliburton, Brunson stuff. Anyway, Halliburton looks great. Uh, they played Greece in their first game of... Uh, Abu Dhabi play their fourth exhibition game. That was his worst game, certainly, uh, of this. It was his only game where he didn't have either double-digit points or double-digit assists. They, they beat Greece easily. It's not like uh, it was a problem or anything. But uh, then he was awesome <laughs> against Germany. They played Germany with Tice uh, on Sunday. Tough game. Uh, Germany was good. They were up like 15 or 16 points, 16 to be exact, with 3.48 to go. In the third quarter, USA down 16. And then in under three minutes, Tyrese Halliburton had 11 points by himself. The game was nearly a 20-point deficit. They cut it all the way down to single digits. And then they keep coming back in the fourth with Halliburton leading the show. They come back, and they beat Germany. A huge comeback, and Halliburton speared it with his 16 points. After the game, Brian Windhorst of ESPN reported that Halliburton said, our second unit felt like we were effing the game up so he had to come in and fix it and boy did he he looked really good he continues to play very well in the system I think that again he's a very Steve Kerr player and that has made a lot of sense so it was very cool to see him uh as to see him shining in these games I think he'll continue to get a bunch of minutes and maybe even close games because he's been a key part of basically every single game uh that they've had I've I can't believe how long it's going to be defined, but against Greece, he had six points, two rebounds, four assists, and two steals. That's like a good game. It's just way less <laughs> than he's typically had in these outings. Like against Germany, that that 11 points in three minutes was obviously significant. He finished that game with 16 points. That was his highest of all the exhibitions. And three assists and a steal, five for seven from the field, three for four from deep. 21 minutes higher than anybody except for Bridges, Jaron Jackson, and Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards looks freaking ridiculous right now. If you haven't caught these USA games, I highly recommend it. FIBA play is just a blast. Um, so they went 5-0 and in these exhibitions, including beating some teams that will actually be tough in the World Cup, like Spain, uh, like Germany. I don't know if they'll be the best teams necessarily. Um, Slovenia with Luka should be good. Canada should be great. Like, I think a lot of people have been talking about ranking teams just using their NBA salaries, <laughs> um, and that's how you get those. France should be pretty good. Uh, Greece, if Giannis had played, would have been good, but he's not. So, they'll be like, Sabonis isn't playing for Lithuania. So, USA should be the favorites, and they looked pretty good, but not infallible in these exhibitions. They're going to have to, I think they're going to have to play a little better, I'm not going to lie, to step it up. They can lose a group stage game, but once knockout play starts, which is September 5th, they'll have to up that. So, next week, by the time we do this, uh, the classic 
FIBA Pacers update. Uh, I'll probably do it Thursday because that'll be the day after group play ends. So then Tice will be done, uh, Halliburton will be done, and they'll be going into the second kind of group phase. And then we'll continue to update because the last game is Sunday, September 10th. But Halberton's group is uh, Group C with Jordan, Greece, and New Zealand with USA. I should have said that Germany's group earlier is Finland, Australia, and Japan. Uh, Germany plays on Friday the 25th. USA plays their first group stage game on Saturday the 26th. And I think Halberton will probably continue to come off the bench and just speed up that second unit but still play a ton because of how valuable he's been. He's looked very good, and he was a big part of them going 5-0 and in these exhibitions. Looking forward to seeing what he can do going forward. We'll get to free agency updates and some other stuff in the third segment. So let's just fire through some news in Pacerland. First up, arena stuff. The Bicentennial Unity Plaza. What the heck is that, listener? Good question. So... Uh, that is the area to the north of Gambridge Fieldhouse, this outdoor facility. Uh, it's going to have basketball courts in the winter. It's going to have ice skating. It's going to have areas for eating and snacking and activities and a new entrance to Gainbridge. And it's really open and it's got these big screens and it's got this bar that's called the Boom Baby Bar. And it's right next to where the Pacers have like employment stuff. And it's right next to this building. It's going to be like part speakeasy, part event center. That's not going to open till later. But the Unity Plaza itself, the outdoor venue part, Opens Thursday to the public, August 24th. Again, to say it again, it's called the Bicentennial Unity Plaza. If you'd like to Google it and hear more about it, uh, I went and took pictures of it in like March. I walk past it all the time. I probably should update it. There's a lot more than what I just said, but it's going to be sweet. Um, They've described it as, quote, a focal point for gatherings, offering a space where all residents and visitors will be greeted by captivating landscapes and art installations, and of course, a basketball court for some friendly competition that will serve as an ice rink in the winter. It will be a lot more than that. They'll have free events all weekend if you're in Indy. Thursday is the ribbon cutting ceremony. Ribbon cutting ceremony. I don't know why I said that so poorly. You can hang out there during the day, and then there's a fever pregame party because the fever play a home game Thursday. Friday, they've got a happy hour on the plaza out there. Saturday, it's Indie Night Market out there. And then Sunday is like a kid's day. There's a little hoops mini clinic and then like a love of the game thing they're doing with like crafts and coloring and, and painting stuff. So it'll be cool. Uh, it'll be fun to be out there and see what that's all about. It'll be cool that it's not under construction anymore. There's going to be more done by the time All-Star uh, is set to begin next year but that is the unity plaza update and i wanted to make sure i got that in before thursday because it'd be pointless to say after it actually opens i also want to talk about Gennaro pargo for a second uh the pacers summer league head coach mostly because i wrote a story about his coaching and i didn't really talk about him much you talk about summer league players but not the coach pargo's a really strongly developing coach in the pacers system and he's in the development side more so than the assistant side so you don't hear his name as much but I think he's kind of on that path to being an assistant, right? When he was in Charlotte at the end of his career, Mike Dunlap uh, and Steve Clifford were his coaches. And he said back then he was basically a player coach and he wanted to become a coach. Uh, he was with Portland for a little bit, the G League with the Windy City Bulls, and ended up with the Pacers. Uh, and he's been really solid. He's really good at relating to players because he played this decade. Uh, and he's still good. Like I can see him play in practices and he can still play, uh, which instills a lot of confidence into those guys. They really liked what he did for them out there in Vegas. And I think he, he did a good job. I think the players really respect the voice that he has. And um, he chatted with like Terry Stotts and Jim Moran back in Portland before summer league to get some tips from them. But he really kind of did his own thing. They played within the Pacer style, but he had his own sideline and baseline out of bounds plays. And uh, he really showed that he's got the respect of the players and did a pretty good job out there. And I, I just wanted to, one, talk about his summer league a little bit there. And two, I think he's kind of a developing, maybe not like, 
I don't know how long if he'll ever be a head coach, but like an assistant in waiting for the team because he showed how what what he kind of could be as the modern coach of you know the ex player who's really good at relating to players and really understands what they go through and. Uh, he was totally drenched with the first time we did media with him out in Summer League, which was really fun because they dumped water all over him. So if you want to read that whole story, it's on Pacers SI. And I wanted to talk about him a little bit as we continue through the news. Let's talk about free agency. Believe it or not, the Pacers are reportedly going to sign a player. I'll explain how that's even possible. And some of their former players are on different teams. And we might talk a little bit about Gabe York because he's in a pretty cool documentary to close out today's show. Thank you, as always. For making Lockdown Pictures your first listen today and every single day. I'm just going to pick a random team because the news of the NBA is currently slow. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to pick the Thunder for your second listen, Lockdown Thunder, because they just waived Ty Ty Washington, who was a first-round pick last year. They didn't pick him. They got him in a trade, but they cut him. They had to cut good players. They also cut Usman Garuba, who I loved in the draft two years ago. They're both free agents now. Why did they do that? Well, there's very good reason for it. And Ryland Styles will have more over at Locked on Thunder. Usman Garuba, good player. Someone should claim him. Um, let's, speaking of claims and free agency, that was an unintentionally awesome segue. Uh, let's cover some Pacers free agency stuff because it was reported last week by Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN and then confirmed by the Liberty Flames basketball team on Twitter that Darius McGee is going to sign a contract with the Pacers. And McGee himself was Gavoni's source. He's said... McGee told ESPN. Um, and he also said it's an Exhibit 10 deal. So let's explain this. So the Pacers, as it stands, or at least at the time this was said, had 15 players on standard contracts, right? And three two-way. So they're full. That is the full team. You cannot have more than that when the regular season starts. But, but in the offseason and through training camp, in the new CBA, you can have 21 players. So the Pacers can have three guys on their team that are they could even technically be on guaranteed deals, uh, but they have in for training camp, but they would have to cut them before the season. And that's what these Exhibit 10 deals can typically kind of allow you to do is bring in guys for camp. And an Exhibit 10 deal, for those un- unaware, again, it's not a very common basketball phrase. It's a, basically a training camp deal. It's a one-year non-guaranteed NBA contract that can be converted to a two-way. Uh, but if you're waived on a contract that has Exhibit 10 language, and then you go play for that team's G League affiliate for at least 60 days, you get a bonus up to $75,000, which is pretty nice. That is what McGee will sign with the Pacers. He has not yet, to be clear. Last year, the only August signing for the Pacers was Davey Dasservita, so it's possible it happens in August, but most of their Exhibit 10s happen like right before camp in mid-September, so we'll see what actually happens here. Who is Darius McGee? Before we continue just rambling about what Exhibit 10s are, uh, if you'll remember, he played for the Pacers in Summer League. So he's been in the org a little bit. Uh, he pl- is five foot nine, but is a dang good shooter. Uh, he didn't show it in Summer League. We'll talk about that in a second. But with Liberty, his last two seasons in college, he shot 39% from three and then the se- uh, two years ago, and then 39.4% last year. Those don't sound like high percentages, but he took 775 threes in those two years. 11 per game. That's insane. He was absolutely bombing them. And so to him at that percentage is crazy. That's a guy worth taking even the smallest of flyer on. In summer league for the Pacers, he went 16.7% from three. So it didn't show it. He only appeared in two games, I believe. Yeah, he only appeared in two games uh, during summer league. He actually played the, he scored the fewest points for any player who actually played in his 25.6 minutes, which was the lowest of anyone who played. And he went one for six. So I'm not going to hold that over his head. But I did see him canning like 70% from like 30 feet in a summer league practice. So shooting is his thing. 
Uh, he kind of played. He kind of played two guard, not really one guard. Like his assist totals are pretty low for Liberty, but he's already been with the org, and that's his deal. He can really shoot it. He agreed to that summer league thing with the Pacers, like right after the draft. At least that's what came out on Twitter. So um, clearly they have some interest in him, and uh, perhaps he will be a Mad Ant who is running the show. Who knows what David Stockton's future holds, or Gabe York's, or anything. Mad Ants may need guards, and uh, Darius McGee could be that. He could really shoot it. Uh, during those summer league practices, he told us in his media availability that he's trying to be a sponge, learn a little bit, right? He's 24, uh, and trying to learn point guard a little bit because he played that two-guard role with the Liberty Flames in college. Uh, he said he felt really great about the Pacers. He had a pre-draft workout with them. After that, he said, great organization, great people. He said, I played the two mostly in college. Playing the one, kind of running things. He was learning a lot from Andrew Nemhard. So we'll see what this means for him or if it's one of those Exhibit 10s that's just like for a day like last year or if he'll actually be in training camp. We'll see. But that is the first reported Exhibit 10 signing for the Pacers. They can do two more to fill up their team before training camp actually starts. Two other little lesser... Actually, I'll do three here. Uh, to tie up some free agency stuff involving the Pacers last year, let's get to every player who I haven't talked about who actually was on the team at all last year because we've covered everybody who finished the season on the Pacers, their new home or their current home or their current free agency outlook with the veterans. But you know what we haven't gotten to? is someone like Trevlin Queen, who was on a two-way until very late in the season, got waived right after the Madden season end so Gabe York could get his roster spot. Uh, Trevlin Queen has agreed to a deal with the Orlando Magic, Chris Haynes says. The Magic uh, have a full roster but have an open two-way slot. It was not reported as a two-way signing. But if that two-way is still open, perhaps he could get it. He's like the perfect two-way guy to me, where he's super good in the G League, great for your G League program potentially, but isn't quite NBA ready. Uh, he's He even told me during the season that he's trying to grow mentally. He definitely needs to. Um, but he's talented. He's super talented, right? Like it, a lot of people were telling me last year, like, dang, th th this kid's good. So he's really good um, for that kind of spot of the good training camp player, maybe a two-way player, and I think Orlando could be a great spot for him to potentially do that again. So Traveling Queen, remember, he played in seven games for the Pacers last year, three points, 2.4 rebounds per game. We'll see what he can do. He hit that 13.9 rebound explosion, I would call it, for, for him in OKC. Looks pretty good. Um, so he'll be with Orlando this coming season. Another former Pacer waved back in February, Terry Taylor, back with the Chicago Bulls, re-signed with them on a multi-year deal. It looks like a little bit of money guaranteed, and if he makes the opening night roster, even more money guaranteed. Uh, if not, I don't know where he'll end up or what he'll consider doing, um, but he'll probably have to fight for some some stuff in training camp. I've always thought Terry Taylor's pretty good. The Pacers certainly thought he was going to be something awesome last year. They started him opening night. Remember, he was the starting four with Turner Hurt. Uh, and and then his minutes just deteriorated. Uh, a lot changed for him throughout the season, certainly, but I, his rebounding is just ridiculously valuable to me. He's back with Chicago. We'll see what he ends up happening with them. Remember, after he got cut by the Pacers last year, he joined the Bulls on a two-way contract. That was his second NBA franchise. He remains with them heading into the next season. Uh, the other guy waved when Terry Taylor got waved. Well, for, one was James Johnson. They brought him back, obviously. Was Goga. Uh, I haven't really talked about him this summer because he never became a free agent, which actually surprised me a little. Not that I don't think Goga's good. I actually think he could be a totally fine backup center. Um, but they just picked up his team option. The Magic did. They they scooped him up on a two-year deal after the, the Pacers let him go. Uh, they had him on a team option the second year. They picked it up. Goga back with the Magic. So Trevlin Queen, who the Pacers waved in March, is with the Magic. With Goga, funnily enough, who's also with the Magic and was waved in February. Terry Taylor was waved in February. He's still with the Bulls. And one left, Serge Ibaka, <laughs> was on the Pacers for all of a couple hours 
after he got traded there from the Bucks in the Jordan Wara trade. He is still a free agent. And that I cannot believe I just said his name on an August Pacers podcast. So that is truly everybody who played for the Pacers at all last year that has now been covered from a free agency perspective. Last newsy thing. And then I'm out of newsy things. So I'm going to have to find more for next week's <laughs> FIBA Plus News show. Gabe York in a documentary. This is pretty sweet. Um, I knew about this and I got to talk to York a little bit as a part of it. It's called Destination NBA G League Odyssey. It's really cool. It's on Amazon Prime, which is called Prime Video now, to be clear. Uh, and it's about G League players trying to make it to the NBA, right? And Gabe York heavily featured in it. He's like the perfect poster child for something like this. Um, it, a lot of guys involved in it. Most of them are guys who are a little more established in the NBA than New York is, like Scoot Henderson's heavily in it, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry, not Steph Curry. Uh, it's really good. Uh, it's produced by Ringer. So he, Gabe York was on Bill Simmons' podcast, funnily enough, talking about it because they were a big part of it. And Religion of Sports was a big part of it. Tom Brady involved, uh, or at least potentially an investor in that company. But York was really cool in it. Um, he talked about his path to the NBA in it. And when I asked him about it, uh, first of all, it was cool to hear from the directors. I have a story on this on SI if you want to read it, to hear what their how their perception of the G League and its players changed. Uh, but it was cool to hear from York too because you know he felt like he knew he was good enough for the NBA. And he said the second time getting with the Pacers, it felt more special because he knew he was good enough and he felt like he like actually accomplished it a little more that time. But uh, So he said it felt more real. But he also said... The Pacers gave me back-to-back two ways, just gave me more confidence and solidified the fact I belong in the NBA. I got a chance to play at the highest level, and I'm thankful and blessed for all that, but they didn't give me an opportunity to make the team or be a part of something special, and that's what I'm looking for still. So he's still out there. He's still looking for that NBA chance. We'll see if he gets it. He certainly can score. He is, uh, I think he turned 30 like a couple months ago. 29? I I don't want to get that wrong. Uh, but it's very cool that he's still, yes, he t- 20 days ago, he turned 30. So great for him to keep grinding for it. Very cool that he's in this documentary about the life of the G League. It's really good. I highly recommend anybody give it a watch or read my story if you want to hear from the directors and York himself on that. That is all of the latest from Pacerland. Uh, tomorrow's going to be the off day this week. Thursday depends on some other stuff. The scheduling is kind of in flux because of some interview stuff going on, and I have a personal life thing to deal with. Friday, I want to talk about the Central Division. Where do the Pacers stand in it? What does it mean for their outlook? What does the division look like? So that's the teams they'll play the most. Next week, I want to do a show I do every summer about fun lineups the Pacers can use uh, and deploy this summer. We'll also do our second book club pretty soon. Uh, I want to talk about some of the newer Pacers and how they can help the team because I've written two of those six stories. So still lots to get to. Still lots coming up here on Lockdown Pacers. It's August, but we're rolling. Thank you all a ton for listening. Hope you had a great day. We will see you soon. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. 
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.